ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 24 of the Urban Homesteading UK podcast. I'm joined again, as always, by my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? All right. Mike's <laughs> <laughs> been ages. Mate, it's been so long. We barely even spoke. I mean, we obviously texted a lot. We hardly seen each other, haven't we, in that time? Well, you, you went away, yeah. and then I went away, yeah. and, uh, and then the weather was lousy. Yes. So it's been a bit naff, it? So it's been, I reckon, the last time we recorded was probably the last time we spent any meaningful time together. Absolutely. So it's lots to catch up on. So the plan today really is to spend a bit of time just doing that. I'm not going to worry about the second segment today. We'll just go on a like, big old catch up because it's been a long time. And if we and if we go on too long, we'll stop it and then yeah. we'll do another carry yeah. on catch yeah, up. We'll do it. See how we go, eh? See how we go. <laughs> so you went away. Good I, I went away. I had a yeah. great time, man. But I think that for most people who are into self-sufficiency or homesteading or, or that kind of outdoor life, when you go away, you're just looking all the time, aren't you? Yeah. And other things that are going on and what people do and how they do it. And, and even going somewhere where, you know, we're based in Sussex and I, I went to Derbyshire um, up to the Peak District. Yeah. And you just, you just fall in love with things that you see up there, like yeah. the way of life. And yeah. it's a very rural place where yeah. I am. And looking at the small homesteading or the small farmlands yeah. that are up there, yeah. and a lot of dairy, you know, because obviously it's so hilly up there, there's yeah. a lot of dairy and a lot of sheep. But just, it was just so nice to be uncluttered. It, yeah. It, it's much quieter there, you know, simpler existence perhaps in the rural parts, don't get me wrong. But, you know, even when you go to some of the bigger towns like Bakewell and places like that, you know, and maybe it's a bit touristy, I don't know, but there just seems to be a much stronger emphasis on, you know, good, wholesome food and, uh, you know, dare I say it, mate, the people are nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's not as many of them, which always helps, doesn't it? It's so crowded where we live. Uh, the beer's a bit cheaper, which is quite nice. <laughs> and a bit, you know, but, and, and certainly there does seem to be, that, or there was where I was, or maybe that's just because we sorted it out, but locally produced stuff, you know, mm. it seemed to be, you know, much more of a sense of maybe community. I don't know how to describe it. So it took a lot away from that, but also took a lot away from how different it was because of the different climatic region, you know? Yeah. So didn't really see a lot of people growing um, vegetables on allotments mm -hmm. because the space that people had out there, perhaps in their little town gardens, and meant that there was more space for people to grow in their, at their home. And, you know, it wasn't uncommon to walk past someone's house and see some runner beans poking up out the back of the fence and this, that and the other. Um, so yeah, it was. A, you just wander around, don't you, in a different kind of world looking at how people do it. And I like that. I like having the time to do that. It's weird, isn't it? I have to say, I didn't. I nearly didn't come back. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went down to Cornwall. We were right on the coast. You know, I like the sea anyway, as you know. But where we were on the Atlantic Ocean, mate, it was just so beautiful. And there's so much, again, there's so much space there. I know it's very touristy and there's lots of tourists here in the summer, but it's not like that all year round. And no. I could just imagine, you know, Cut the Lake is not far from yeah, the coast there. Yeah, lovely. You know, fishing in the weekends and whatever. Yeah. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? But, um, yeah. But, but what it did do for me is that when I then returned, and we are, we live in a very beautiful part of the world, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. I think we're very lucky. Mm. And, you know, and I would not wish to disrespect where anybody lives mm just from my own personal perspective, from yeah. my own personal standpoint, you know, getting, you know, and there are people who are, you know, urban homesteading, yeah, yeah. yeah? But for me, having that little bit of green in my life, um, you know, I, it just throws the value on that, really. And yeah. coming back after a week away or 10 days away, wherever it was, and you just sort of see your place with new eyes a little bit as well. Mm. And you come back and you think, oh, I could do that, I could do that, I could do that, and make some little changes based on things that you've seen and, 
I suppose coming into the autumn and the winter, as we definitely are now, there's always that sort of element of evaluation creeping back into what we do, isn't there? And what could I do and what worked and what, what lessons could I learn from other places? And, and certainly for me, there seemed to be that element of doing things, but doing them well. Mm. So not trying to do everything, maybe. Concentrating on the things that mean the most and doing them really well, having that integrity. So that's certainly something that I took away from my time away mm. and be that in growing a certain thing or producing a certain thing or whatever it was. That was definitely what I came away with. And then when I came home, I, you know, I was looking at my little house and thinking, right, there's some jobs here I've been looking at for a long yeah. time. Let's get them done. Isn't it funny? I came back and did exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. and, and very, things that I've probably looked at for 20 years I've lived in that really? house and not done them. No? Thinking, oh, I'll do that, whatever, whatever. But just saying, do you know what? No, I want a bit of pride in it and, and, bringing, and bringing some of those things back. So for the last week, we've been stripping walls and decorating and plastering oh, nice. and, and just doing all those little tiny jobs. And they're not done. But I just went around the house and made a whacking list. Yeah. And some of the things I can do, there's a couple of jobs I can't do. Well, I could do, but I'm in danger of falling off a roof or whatever. Um, but um, I'll probably end up having a go. I'm anyway, exactly <laughs> honest, probably. But no, there's all those little things which you can live with, because I have done. Mm. But if I, if, I, if I did take the time just to put that bit of um, kind of effort and energy into where we live mm. it could make things a lot nicer where we live yeah. so just doing those little little tiny jobs that just you never get around to so I'm about halfway down that list to see how far we get shall we <laughs> so you mentioned there about like things that went well and evaluating and I know we're not quite at the end of the season but how's, how's things going with you growing where, where are you at what's, what's gone well for you this summer I suppose good place to start oh my man am I eating some good sweet corn at the moment yeah. and it's like yeah. big Juicy sweet corn, so juicy and big that I've actually got deer damage on my sweet corn. Oh, wow. So the deer have come in and eaten the top half of the cob, but you can still have the bottom half if you want it. Okay. I think I plant, so that the bed that the sweet corn are in is not even two meters by two meters, mm. but we, you know, I've already had about 40 cobs off it, yeah. and there's probably another 30 left there, you know. So for that small space, mm. Um, and that was one thing that did really well. I think, you know, at some point we're going to talk about climate and the weather as yeah, has been yeah, yeah. and the effect it's had on all the crops, couple in particular. But the things that have done really well for me have been the sweet corn. The courgettes have been beautiful this yeah. year. You know, really yeah. one or two plants, rather than growing four or five and then being inundated, two or three I've had and they're, you know, Sell yourself sufficient in courgettes, let's put yeah. it that way. And I know that that's not a big thing because they're probably one of the most reliable heavy cropping for space crops that you could have, but they've done really well. Mm. Um, and the other thing that's done particularly well for me has been French beans. Yeah. And the way in which I've managed the French beans by having three crops of yeah. French beans. So dwarf beans and then climbing beans. Mm. And then I've literally just, my climbing beans are finished. And now, probably in a week, my next lot of dwarf beans will be ready. Yeah. And so, and they will go until the first frost, I imagine. And they will be smaller, won't they, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. But I feel that they've gone through, you know, and they've been successful. Um, and I've been picking them without letting them get too big, especially the climbing beans. Because there have been occasions where I'd had French beans, which um, I'd let go too big and then they weren't very nice, to yeah. be honest. So. Yeah. Um, I've been picking those. I do like it. Regular, regular, regular. 
Now you can see the indentation where the just, beans are. Just starting to show and that just starting to get fat. That's yeah. when I like to eat the best. Yeah. Well, uh, you're much more organised than me, so I'll just pick everything off it and okay. then wait for a few days. Oh, and then okay. Because if you, if you leave one or two, there's the danger, isn't there, that the plant can stop pie. Couldn't see them all producing. Mate. In any case, of mine, there's no way. But I didn't do too many of the climbing no. beans, and there were five of us in the family, and I think I did a TP of eight, yeah, and each one had two plants, so sixteen um, vines, mm. whatever you want to call them, um, and more beans than we could have. Yeah, giving them to family, mm. but but not not that I feel that it's wasteful, mm. you know. But I made a conscious decision not to freeze any. Okay. Year. I've kept hopefully some back for salting. I'm going to try this salting, yeah. but I'm not going to freeze any because I've had really poor frozen French beans in the past and I hadn't blanched them and done all those things yeah. that you probably should have and I probably used the ones that I didn't want to eat anyway, so they probably weren't the best ones yeah. to use. Yeah. But for me, I think I'm just going to try and eat more seasonally and really enjoy them. And I've really enjoyed the French beans. I've not had a bad one. Well, I have to say, I have, I've done similar to you. I've got, I've got two TPs though. Yeah. Uh, 12 on each. One of them's not done very well. The Cobra variety this year has not done very well for me. Is that the black beans? The ones go, they go, yeah, they dry. When they've dried, they go black. Inside, yeah. Inside, yeah. So I have, I couldn't remember which one I did. Yeah. And I've done Blue Lake. Yeah. And that's the one that you're talking about. So, so the Blue Lake that's white, white, white beans yeah. have been so good this yeah, year. And that's the one so I've horrific. got. That's the one I've got. Yeah. Funny, isn't it? It's well, I think that, I mean, they're both older heritage varieties that you can save seed from to take yeah. through. Yeah. But maybe because we were picking them younger, but certainly flavour-wise, because Cobra's quite a new bean, isn't it? I'm not new, new. It's RHS Merit, I know yeah. that. Yeah. So it's not like new, new, but I don't think, I mean, Blue Lake is really old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the, the Cobra, not, they've just not climbed up the poles as well as the Blue really? Lake. The Blue Lake's gone mental, and then yeah. it's just producing some. They, they came a bit later. The Cobra yeah. started fr uh, fruiting earlier. But it's not been that many relatively, and the, coat, the blue lake's just gone nuts. Mm. Well, so, what I didn't do is I didn't do any um, borlotta, you know, we mm. spoke at the beginning about being late in the season yeah. and stuff like that, and I hadn't done those. And I've missed those mm. this year. And I think that next year I might be in a position where I want to try having one of those beans where you can eat the pods or shell the beans yeah. or let them dry. Because yeah. I quite like that idea. I've missed not doing the Bolotti this year, and yeah. I think probably next year I'll do one of Blue Lake and one of Bolotti in my two TPs that I've got on my rotation. And I've always, I think that sounds like a spot on idea, and I've always, I've always preferred climbing beans because I think that the return is better. Yeah. But I'm not as sure as I ever was, mate. And I know that, you know, if you empirically measured and counted, it's, it's, it, but yeah. mate, these these beans I did, these dwarf beans, I have had more off of them. Yeah. And I could say it's probably nearly as many pods on a dwarf as a as a full really? climbing bean. I, I would be it would be interesting, even though I know that the evidence suggests otherwise, but I mean the what the fact I done a variety called Faraday. Yeah. And they were quite they're they're they are they're dwarf French beans, but they're quite fine. Yeah. So you pick them really young. Mm. And they would get bigger and stuff mm. like that. Each one, it must have had thirty. Wow. Pods on wow. one plant, yeah. and I mean I don't think you get many more than alpha vine, do you? I don't know. I've never sat and counted it. It doesn't seem. It seems a bit counterintuitive that you get the same amount off the space. But mate, they were like bunches of bananas hanging on there, were they? you know. And when I when I read about it, they said that the uh, increase was 100, 120 to one. So yeah. so for each bean you plant, yeah, you get one hundred and twenty beans, right. not pods, yeah, beans, yeah. And so you know, 
I don't, I don't think I was that far away okay. on some of those. Yeah. And I was growing those in the Tesco crate bed. Yeah. Um, and then I've just put my last lot into the bed where the old beans came out yeah. of because it's the sunniest one I've got. Um, and I top dressed it with some manure, yeah. you know, as I do. But um, I think that it would be for me. I'm gonna only because um, I just saw a pack and I bought. Them. I've actually bought some dwarf borlotter. Okay. Red. Yeah, yeah, the red fire. Yeah. Well, and right? I thought, do you know what? Yeah. The other thing that makes it once they're in and up, they actually really do look after themselves. Yeah. Because they. Yeah, you might need to water them in exception dry weather, but they're way better than runner beans at handling a drought, I would say. Okay. And they and they and they and I think French beans grow on poorer soil. Mm-hmm. You get a better return if the soil's not that great. Yeah. And because they're low, if you do plant them pretty close together, I don't think the weeds are too bad either. Well, I've had mixed success with them this year because I did. I've done a couple of signs of dwarf beans. Mm. I've been using amethyst, which is the purple pot yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and I've done. I've been doing them as intercrops. Mm. And I've, I've a couple of times. I've, what I've done is I've put them in somewhere where they've not grown quick enough right. to get them cropped. I've had a few, but not yeah. loads, because the things that the brassicas that I've put around them have yeah. grown too quick and they've grabbed them out. They're pretty hungry as well, aren't they? Yeah, and but I, I but they're in good soil, so you know I'm hopeful. Should be right, but oh. I've also lost a load while I was away. Right, okay. The slugs, I've, I've put a load out. They love them, don't they? The slugs are just going to thank you very much. Yeah, they do like them. I, and I'm, you know, we've always said that we will go, we try and go as organically as we can, but mm-hmm. I, will, I will use slug pellets at the beginning. I'll hold, them, I'll hold them in the pots as much as I can yep. to get them as big as I can. Yeah. Um, but then when I, when I plant them out, I do put a few around just to let them at least have a settling period. I, I think there's, there's two things. One is to hold them in pots as long as you can so they're nice and big because that makes it harder for the slugs yeah, to pick them off. It. And the second one is that to make sure that you do a proper, um, when, you, when you're taking them out, Makes you give them plenty of time to harden off. Yeah. So that when you put them in the ground, they grow away quickly. Yeah. They don't have that little. It's when they get slowed down. Yeah. That's when the slugs have got a chance to get yeah. in on them. And I just had to do it because I was going away on holiday, and if I left them in pots, they'd have been dead by the time I got back. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. That was that. Um, so with my green beans, mate, I, I should talk about this now. While we're talking about green beans, because I have been, I've been doing an experiment. Oh, hello. Go on then. We did a proper experiment, right? And you talk about green beans and freezing them. Yeah, because I've been coming back with like big handfuls every few yeah. days, yeah, and there's more than we can eat, and um, giving a few away. But I thought oh, I'm going to try preserving some, mm. right? So I've done I've done four ways I think of preserving green beans, five ways maybe. Okay, I've blanched and frozen. Yeah, like right, okay, yeah. I've done some where I just frozen. Yeah, I tried salting some. Right, okay. That's what I asked you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I also finally got the pressure can. Got the pressure can go, yeah, lovely. And I pressure canned, I think it was eight or nine jars. Okay. Um, and the idea really is to see which ones I like. It's been off. I will probably also, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. And I probably also will do some uh, lacto fermented some yeah. ones as well. Yeah. Um, and see which ones I like the best. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm, well, that's got to be the next show, isn't it? Having, <laughs> having, a, having a line up. <laughs> line them up. Well, I think, I think that. It, you know, how was your quality control on, on it? Because I know that when I froze some, and it, I probably was, I certainly didn't blanch them, and I think I probably chose some older, tougher yeah. specimens that I probably wouldn't have cooked up and eaten um, that well anyway. So yeah. it's probably a bit skew my, my so view. I've only used ones that I would have eaten as they yeah, were. Yeah, nice looking, yeah. fresh. But yeah. like I said, but bear in mind, I like them when they're quite big. Yeah. I like them when they're big and juicy. I don't, yeah. you know, I want, I want to taste that yeah. seed inside and that bean inside. Yeah, and I don't mind that bit. It's just the skin yeah. sometimes yeah. 
go a bit tough and, and they, but you can stringy feel and it goes a bit leathery and you can feel yeah. it when you pick them. So I don't like that. I don't no. like I don't like a bit of roughness on the tongue. <laughs> I don't like stringiness on the tongue out. No, 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 no. no I don't <laughs> like I don't like chasing food around my mouth no. and getting caught up yeah. around my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Those ones go to the chickens where I am, but I, I did I blanched some and frozen and I just froze some straight. The salted ones have not worked. Right, what's happening there then? Mold. Oh really? Yeah, I've obviously not put enough salt in there, but I put right. loads of salt in there. Yeah. So we're right, I didn't have enough beans. And yeah. Then, and then there was, you know, I needed more So my granddad used to salt runners, but they're flat, aren't they, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. But he used to salt them every year. Yeah. Um, and how he did it, I think maybe that's the thing you've got to be, you've got to watch and yeah. get shown. And, and, I'm, and I'm only going on the recipes that I've got from books and stuff, yeah. but I will try it as well. Yeah. But I might slice them. Yeah. Yeah. Lengthways and then bang them yeah. in and see what happens. That might work. That might be I've actually got a really old fashioned bean slicer at home somewhere. You know, one of these spawn yeah. yeah. slice. Yeah, I've got one of those that makes them into those long, thin diamonds. Yeah. So maybe that would work. But And he was doing runners, but I can't, I don't think there'd be any difference really. I don't know. There shouldn't be. I, I did look in um, oh, John, what's his name's book? Seymour. Yeah, John Seymour's book. Did look in there for the recipe, and it's basically put lots of salt in the pot, put lots of beans in the pot, and then put keep lots going. of salt in yeah. the pot, and then just keep topping it up yeah. as you go. Um, so I, I did it with what I had and sorted it, and I, li- I literally started to draw the moisture out as you'd expect. Mm. Uh, and then somewhere along the way, it's got a bit mouldy on the top where it's got a bit of air to it. So I think probably what effectively you end up with lacto fermented beans. Mm. So that's what I'm just going to do. Okay. Um, so I will... when I've when I, I don't think that it makes a brine when right. you do sorted beans. Okay. I think it makes like. A damp salt around right, them. Okay. I don't think it ever makes a brine right. like sauerkraut yeah. does make a brine, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it makes more of a kind of, um, like I say, a sort of damp salt that right. you then pull the beans out and you wash them. Yeah. And you have to be okay. really careful how you do that, otherwise yeah. you can end up with really salty beans. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, it's worth. I'm going to have a go at it, but I think that, as I was saying, I might just rather have shelled or lotter. Yeah. And then um, and then have them either frozen or Dried, yeah. But good luck drying this year, though. Well, yeah. I've got dehydrator, so that, yeah, uh, that works. But, but so the, the the pressure. I was so excited to get the pressure can out. I cannot tell you. It's it's a good thing. Fun. I've had that for. I reckon it must be two years. And it's been sat in the, in the garage mostly doing yeah. that much. And I've looked at it a few times. Going, oh, I should use that. Should get out. And yeah. then every time the recipe's been like, we don't need just water bath cans. Uh, it's like, oh, oh, well, right. I'll do that then. And but I managed to get. I got it out. I give it a good up once over, and then just did it. Did, Sort of dry run with nothing in there but yeah. just the steam, yeah, just to see if it worked and it worked perfectly well. See how it worked, and then I've, then I've done these beans, I've I've done these jars, and I was thinking about it, and I'm not sure I'll bother again next time. No, unless they're really good. If they if they are like vastly superior, to dream for, yeah, if they're vastly superior to the frozen ones, I'm not sure I'll bother. But only because I was looking at it and the, the cost of those jar lids. Mm. I think I think you get twelve for about a fiver, mm. and then if you do it properly, you shouldn't reuse them. Yeah. Right. So I've got that. I've got the, the cost of the fuel to heat yeah. the beans. I've obviously then got you know those those jars and whatever else that I've got. I have. Oh, should I have yeah. pressure can out at some and point. The cost of the pressure can. I know that you've got it. Now. I've now got it, so it's done. I've got some jars, but jars are often used for tomato. They might be this year for basalt. So we'll come on to that. Um, but the jars are often in use for other things. Mm. And I just think, for the amount of effort and time that I put into it, probably took me about an hour mm-hmm. to do it, and the cost of the lids, each of those jars of beans has cost me, I don't know, pound? Yeah. For maybe a meal's worth of beans. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't know. It's just the, the amount of it's the same effort to freeze them. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that all the time, all the time you have to buy new commodities year on year. Yeah. Could you say you're self-sufficient? Well, the problem with lids is you're never going to be if you do it as, no, you, as they say. You as should. they say, but I suppose for people who are producing pressure canning equipment, mm. they always need that. It's like when you buy a car, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always going to need yeah. the tires and this, that, yeah. and the other. And so, and so. Uh, for me, I know that freezing, like you say, in bags, that even bags that I could reuse even, yeah. it's got to be, for me, it would be the way I would always definitely try and go. Or, or, the, or the really old-fashioned drying, not even with a yeah. dehydrator. Yeah. Or salting. Yeah. But I suppose you're still paying for your salt, aren't you? Your commodity. Yeah, I mean, salt's not hugely expensive these days, fortunately. Is it not no, it's not. Salt, but, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I hear what you're saying. And like some of the things we do... You learn the skill to learn the skill should you ever need the skill. Yes. But it doesn't mean you have to use the skill all the time. No, and I, and I wonder if, having used the pressure canner, if there are better uses for it, mm. and better uses for that shelf space as well. Yeah. Because that's the other consideration. I've, only got, I've got a limited amount of space. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, the amount of space I've got relative to some people, yeah. Yeah. most people probably, but um, it's still limited. Yeah. And I've now got eight jars of beans sitting on there. And they'll keep for a year, yeah. maybe maybe two or three even potentially, but I'm not going to want to wait that long to eat them. I'm going to use them and get the jars back. But um, am I better to do things that, you know, like the freezer's pretty full now. Mm. Obviously we're back at work. Life is really busy. Mm. I could pressure can stews. Yeah, that would be better jars. use. And is that a better use of that yeah. space and that commodity? Uh, yeah. It's just something to think about really. But like I say, what, what, the, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating as I always say. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see. But proof of the beans. So, the proof of the beans will be in the eating. <laughs> well, it's so cool to get it out and just to, to know, unlock that skill. I know how to use it now. Yeah. If I had to do it again, I could do it again. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. skill bit, isn't it? And, and that's the bit. That was the exciting yeah, bit. Absolutely. And there's always that element of resource buying. Whether, because, you know, if you're freezing, you're paying for electricity, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and we live in a country where, it's, you know, I have the odd power cut, but... It's pretty regular, isn't it? We, mm -hmm. you know, we're very lucky with the consistency of it. Um, obviously, in a an extreme situation, we might not have that as a luxury no. unless you were going to look at alternative sources of generating power. Mm -hmm. But like all things, it's the it's the old having lots of different strings to your bow, mm -hmm. knowing that you can freeze, dry, salt, can, lacto ferment, mm -hmm. you know, all of those yeah. things, and so that you know, if the freezer broke you wouldn't be scuppered. You know, you'd still have some backup, wouldn't yeah. you, somewhere. Yeah. And that's what we're after in all of this, I suppose, is not being too single monoculture track. You know, you've got an idea that if, if this doesn't work, we go somewhere else. Well, I think that's why I did it. And, I, and it was like, I've got all these beans, what am I going to do with them? And uh, like, there's no point freezing them because I don't like them frozen. You've had it. Terrible waste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I could dry them and, and keep the white beans and then yeah. rehydrate and use those in, in soups and stews and whatever. Uh, and that's where they're really, it's a really good use for them. Yeah, but and I do that, but you do lose some nutrition in the pods, don't you? Do, you? you do, and I, I will do that, but I'll do it at the end of the season. Mm. And they're still going at the moment, so I'll let them keep going until they start to look like they're going over. Yeah. And then the last ones I'll leave for drying. And I was quite looking forward to sharing those, and so it's quite nice. Yeah, and them do. being Cobra, you can just use those next year. You don't have to buy no well, beans. Yeah, no, Either do you, no. you can just use them to yeah. sow. Which is always lovely in it as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 
two fingers up at the seed suppliers. <laughs> we all like a bit of that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Not getting my two pound fifty for the beans this year. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> oh dear. So what else has gone well for you? I saw your spuds the other day. Then maybe or. Well, else? well, we could open the big, uh, the big potato debate. Go on, let's do it. I think that everybody I know this year who has grown anything out of the tomato potato family has been battered by late blight. I don't know anyone who's not. Everyone <laughs> I know has been smashed by it, and I know that um, for me. When I was digging up my earlies, mm. there was some evidence of blight even on my earlies. Yeah, wow. tiny few patches on the leaves, but I but I was getting them up. Yeah, and I'm when and I'm talking like one or two leaves on maybe yeah. I don't know how many I sowed 70, yeah. 70 spuds probably yeah. no probably not that many fifty. Yeah. Um, and I have to say my earlies were amazing this year. Yeah. We're still eating them now, too. still yeah. eating them now. They've kept beautifully as well. So we've we've been eating those and they've done really really well. Um, there's a load of bees going in that hive. I'm just well, looking that's, at. That's what I want. Because I yeah. put some in there. So I've just seen a load going in there. That's, the, hive, that's the swarm we caught earlier this year. Yeah. Um, so the spot, though the early number. Then I looked at my potatoes and I thought that my main crop had blight. And then I left it and didn't do anything for about ten days where I really should have. Yeah. And then when I came back after a week of doing something, I think it was away up in up at my parents and stuff. They were nearly all. Dead. Yeah. All the potato, and I thought I've left it too late. I've lost the crop, and you know there were some potatoes on you know near the surface, which you could see had blight. So right. you know I, I pulled them out, cut them in half, and had that brown yeah. ring yeah. inside the flesh. Um, and so I was really disheartened there because I had gone for quite a lot of potatoes. Mm. Um, and so what I did was I remembered reading about cutting all the foliage off. Yeah, I think I got it off an RHS book or something, mm. or it might have been John Harrison's book, or something like that. And I don't know whether that's common knowledge. This 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 potatoes te- technique. I've heard of it before, and I don't know if it's old or new knowledge. Because mm. reading um, back to John Seymour's book, I don't think it was in there. You know, mm. so basically, somewhere I'd heard or read or seen. That what you do is if you have got blight and it's affecting over 25-30% of your crop, mm. what you do is you cut the potatoes to the ground. Cut the leaves down to the, the ground, leaves yeah. to the ground yeah. and then leave them um, in the ground for at least two weeks. So you cut all the green tops off, take that away, burn it. There were no green, there weren't any green tops. They were brown, were yellow, they? Yeah. brown. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so you leave the tubers in the ground. You leave the tubers in the ground. They said to take all of that top growth away yeah. and burn it or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, to try not to put it on your compost because you yeah. could return it. For people who don't know, blight is an airborne fungus, yeah. um, and it's called late blight because it occurs late in the season, yeah. and it's much more prevalent when it is wet and humid. Yeah. So warm and wet uh, weather is the worst for it. And I think that I've read something, and I stand to be corrected. If you have a, a, an episode of time, I think it's something like 42 hours of this mm. combination of the amount of humidity. It's called a Smith period because this yeah. is the guy. And then it, you're much more likely to get it. At, at, and if I'm honest with you, that's all we've had all yeah, summer. Well, there's a Blightwatch website. I can't remember what it's. What the, Blightwatch. If you, if you Loving Google, that. If you Google Blightwatch or something like that, it's on there. There's a website where you can actually... Dun, 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 Blightwatch. <laughs> you find Tell our Baywatch out. <laughs> 
I think maybe without the red sauce. Uh, so what? Like, sorry, mate. Yeah. Juggling potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> a bit less half as well. Oh. <laughs> sorry, oh, mate. Shame, mate. Maybe <laughs> me and you could do blight watch. I think we should. It could be a parody. It could be a parody there. You could come across the allotment in your pair of speedos and go, you've got blank there, and then run off and get a couple of spuds. A couple of spuds down your budgie smugglers. You're a nightmare. Blight watch. Blight watch. Serious. If you're serious, if you Google it, you'll find there's one that tells you whether the conditions, those conditions you're talking about have been met in your area. God, have Who's had not had that this year? Well, it's been I, I can tell you that I've had it, yeah. but I can also tell you that I've not had it. Right, okay. Um, which has been really interesting. So I, I didn't grow any spuds this year. Well, I grew a few here at work, but I've not even looked at them, so goodness knows we'll try and dig them yeah. this week. So if That'd there's anything right. left, might be all right. Never know. Oh, okay. They're so overgrown at the minute, I have no idea. Um, but the, the tomatoes that I've grown, obviously you know I had blight in July, yeah. like middle of July, mm. putting plants out. Um, but I also always, every year, grow a couple of blight-resistant varieties yeah. because... There are allotments notorious for it. Yeah. So what I always do is I, I, I plan to have a bed of blight-resistant tomatoes. Yep. And then I happen to have a space and some tomato plants. Mm. So I planted some more tomatoes that were not blight-resistant. Those are the ones that I had to pull back out again. Yeah. And I lost yeah. all of that crop. But the blight-resistant ones they aren't true to words. Well, and this is interesting is because I normally grow main crop Sarpo Miro, yep. which are a blight-resistant potato. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I had, but I hadn't. Right. Um, I, I obviously couldn't get them so I was growing Pentland Javelin yep. or Pentland Crown can't remember um, and they definitely are not blight resistant yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they got it my tomatoes outside at home got it right, but my right. tomatoes in my greenhouse did not get it so I've had I've got four different spots the blight resistant tomatoes at the allotment have been fine the not blight resistant tomatoes at the allotment succumbed really early yeah the um, tomatoes I've got in my back garden at home survive have avoided it mm. and the ones in the greenhouse have avoided it all yeah. so far um, now I reckon that the what's happened is that the um, the blight resistant ones have actually got blight the signs of blight right them. but they've just got a bit more tolerance they're, they're more tolerant and that, what's interesting is the old boys up at the allotment they, they obviously they run the, the shop that's there effectively they're yeah, like, yeah, they're, yeah. they've been HQ shed yeah. um, and they have a little shop in there and there's a little blackboard outside and when they put up about the blight being there Look, these are the blood resistant varieties. If you're growing them, remember these grow through it. Oh, okay. And what's actually happened is that this, this mountain magic, the one I've got at the yeah. I've used Fandango in the past, it's another really good variety. Right. Another one called Crimson Crush, which supposed to be really good. I've never grown that one, but that's another one that they've recommended up there. And the mountain magic have got signs of blight on them. But they can manage it. But it's not spread, and so far I've lost two fruit. Well, that's not bad at all. So I'm quite happy with that, and they're still fruiting, the fruit is lovely. Well, I, that's the other thing, though. The fruit <clears throat> in my greenhouse is not lovely, right? Because everything is just because there's we have here in we have had about probably two weeks now, not a lot of actual sun. Yeah, it's 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 warm, mm -hmm. but it's just no. There's not that hot weather that turns fruit yeah. red. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I've got a uh, I've got a plastic greenhouse full of yeah. green tomatoes. Mm. Green peppers, mm. loads of them, mm. and green chilies. Okay. Uh, but the cucumbers doing all right because yeah. it's humid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm and I'm zipping it up now, which I never normally do at this time of the year, okay. uh, because obviously it being a plastic greenhouse, I've got no ventilation other than the door. Yeah. And normally I have to have it open morning and yeah, yeah. evening. Yeah. But I've had to, I've had it shut right. because I need the temperature to get up yeah. to turn. So interesting. The difference then, because at home, which is only well, 15 miles from where we are mm. now. Um, right on the coast yeah. I'm not having so much of a problem no. 
it's the plants are looking a bit sad, mm. a bit pathetic, like weedy, like they're not growing well at all. No. But I wonder if some of that's some of the compost that I use. That big bag of compost that I yeah, have, wasn't that good the performance of no. that at all. No. Um, so I've spent a lot less on <coughs> compost this year, mm. and that might be the COVID effect of not being at home twenty four seven doing things. Yeah. But I don't feel like I've grown much less, mm. um, certainly not from um, seed, you know, mm. and, and then taking through plug plants. I don't feel like I've done a lot less. Mm. Um, but that was something that we were talking about at the beginning was reducing some of those outgoings. I certainly have not bought as much compost no. without shadow of a doubt. Those big, two big sacks I bought have been a bit of a waste of money, to be honest with you. There's two tons I bought. I, I, I was going to top dress part of the garden with one of them and ended up using it for tomato pots. Yeah. And looking back at it now, I think it's probably mostly leaf mould. Okay. Um, so it's not nutritionally very no, stable. No, not enough nutrition in leaf mould. So I think some of the tomatoes have suffered for that. But I don't think my, I don't, saying that, I don't think my feeding regimen has been that no, good either. No, mine to be no. fair, and that doesn't help. But certainly the tomatoes, are, the plants are looking a bit weedy, but I've got plenty of fruit and it, yeah. it mostly is, well, yeah, it's not ripening rapidly. But it's, it's you think it'll get there, don't you? Oh yeah, we'll get, well, we'll get there because I would every year. I'll, I'll still be using fresh tomatoes at Christmas, or yeah. at Dece- beginning of December, if I get it right. Yeah, well, because okay. you you can ripen them off the vine just as easy yeah. as you can, aren't it? So well, one of the beauties of your mobile phone is that you can go back and look at when things were ripe and the dates and the times yeah. and stuff. And I know that at this time last year, I was taking off bowls and bowls of red ripe cherry tomatoes yeah. and I am nowhere near that yet no. you know I'm eating I can go out there and pick maybe 10 a day yeah but that's about it you know yeah. but in a way that's better in a way because well, I'm getting yeah. a more of a drip feed you it's know, been a funny season. season should we go there right as we're talking about it yeah it's been a funny season it? weather wise you mean yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very let's talk about it because I mean we were just looking before we started there's a big brownie apple tree just outside the building we're in now yeah and most years you can reliably get off there's of not that. there's not one year that that has not been absolutely no. And I mean, not just a few apples, yeah. like laden. Like, yeah, like, yeah. And if you basically, if you give the, the tree a good shake while you've stood under it, you'd get battered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so you're looking at crates and crates, and we usually would make several gallons of juice Spider, or cider yeah. or whatever. And up there, I reckon you probably feel a carry bag for this year. Yeah, and they're, not, and, they're, and they're all got rust on them and things yeah. like that. It's not healthy. No. It's not healthy. And so I wonder whether, and looking around my local foraging sites, mm. Um, it, it does look a bit hit and miss. Mm. I think the blackberries will be okay if they get some sun on them in the next week or so. I think the, well, the blackberries are certainly ripening now. I've seen several ripe blackberries today and yesterday. Not quite down where I am. Fun, it's really strange. They're right up here though, aren't they? Yeah, they're right here, but on the coast, not quite. But I haven't tasted any. Oh, they're good. Sometimes they can be a bit insipid, can't they? Yeah, they can. The ones I've had, so I, I, when I'm walking the dog, I tend to pick a few and just eat them. Lovely jubbly. They seem to be doing all right, to be fair. So, um, But it was that... Cold starts the year, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just like it's just killed everything. Like slowed the bees down, killed all the beehives. Oh mate, it's done for the apple blossom by the looks of it. It was just, and it wasn't. It wasn't. We didn't have an icy, icy cold, did we? No. It was just the sort. It just never got didn't going above ten degrees. No, it just sat there, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then, and then I don't think we we had. I think it was in May. We had one week where it was like a heat wave, didn't we? <laughs> it was like 30 degrees or so. But then it, yeah. it, it rained yeah. and rained and rained and overcast, and overcast, overcast, overcast. And then this last bit now, this last two weeks in August here, has been very overcast. Mm. Not cold, but just grey. Yeah, you know? not very much rain, has there either, really? No, not really. No, we had, we, we had, we had you know, the, the turn of 
um, July was wet, wasn't it? It was really, yeah. really yeah. wet, terrible. And we, we, like a lot of places, had a really bad flooding, didn't they? Yeah. Interesting. I was looking back at last year. And last year's season was very different. We had that very hot early season. April and May was really warm last year, really sunny, long, long, long spells. And then June and July were sort of a bit, bit cooler. Mm. But we, by this point last year, we'd been harvesting back blackberries for nearly a month. There was, there was a really good August, wasn't there? And they're only just starting to come now this year. So everything is a bit topsy turvy, and yeah. and that does lead us on to the, the questions of climate change and the unpredictability. Now, British climate is notoriously hit and miss and unpredictable yeah, yeah. and it always will be because of the temperate zone it exists within but even in even in my lifetime I'm noticing that it is warmer and wetter mm. without shadow of a doubt which is why I said to you yesterday when you said about sowing some what was it you were going to sow beans or something yeah your carrots yeah carrots yeah. why not yeah why not because there's nothing to think nothing to lead us to think that the temperature is going to get below five degrees I need 12 weeks for carrots there's no reason to think you won't get that. End of November. Easily. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, hopefully we'll be able to have a frost now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably you, you put a death nail in that, mate. You watch bloody blizzard in Burwash now next week, mate. But um, there's no reason to think that if I can get 12 weeks of relatively good weather, there'll be some crop there. Well, I've set up in my unheated greenhouse... A little, I couldn't even begin to call it a raised bed, but I've got some bits of old scrap wood that was mm. laying around, mm. and I've created a U shape around the edge of it, and I've filled it with decent compost. Yeah, go over. And I put, I think, half a dozen or so spuds down one side mm. for Christmas. Yeah, I didn't do that, and I could still, couldn't I? Yeah, yeah, it's not too late. Well, I've got early's left, yeah. so I could literally put them back in, couldn't I? I think you want to get them in the fridge for a bit first. Yeah. Yeah, and then fertilise them, don't they? But, um, and I've done some lettuce down the other side. Mm. And then I've done a bucket of carrots in there, and I should do another bucket of carrots probably next week, and maybe even one more. Yeah, I'd keep Because I think that in the greenhouse... It should be all right. Yeah. Well, I think once they get going, the issue's going to be light, but as the light fades, mm. whether they'll survive. But mm. once they get going, we'll find out, won't we? Yeah, and grow a short stump-rooted mm. variety like Chantenay mm. or Paris Market yeah. Round should be okay. Yeah. I think that what, what will be, where is it you can get away in early season by not thinning as much, mm. I think you'll have to be really particular about giving each one enough yeah. space to develop. You know, so that it almost just is its own little world there, and that. But, yeah. um, we'll see how we go. But I, I sowed carrots and I sowed beetroot and I sowed yeah. turnips and yeah. um, chard. Yeah. Um, and I will be doing a, the last bit of spring green sowing because mm-hmm. it's not too late for holding those over winter. Yeah. But it won't be long, will it, before we're talking about overwintering onions and garlic? And, well, you can still do parsley now, cavolo nero. You can do now. Yeah, my cavolo nero's up. Yeah. So I've potted that on yeah. because, again, it gets battered by the slugs when it's young. Yeah. But I'm going to wait and hold it as long as I can and then put it into the beds. Yeah, I had some trouble with that because I, with the old, obviously, they were quite, quite a long holiday at the start of August. Yeah. I was away for just over two weeks and I spent the first bit of our break from work just getting ready for that. Yeah. And I talked at length, actually, on um, Carl's podcast, Self-Sufficient Hub, about where we did a whole episode with him about how I prepared for going away. Oh, all right, yeah. I spent about an hour talking with him about how I prepared for going away and an irrigation system that I put in there. Mm. And I actually forgot to mention I had some seedlings that um, I was worried about. So I passed them on to my mum to mm. t- take care Look of them. Look over, yeah. But they haven't done brilliantly, to be honest with you. I've got, you know, not, not a great return off that. Um, and some of that was Catalonia, which has been battered by slugs, so I managed to get in there and, you know, yeah, just well, make yeah, a mess of two or three ones. But I've re some, you know, and we'll, we'll go again. They'll, they'll, I've they'll got a whole plant now, and yeah. it'll be good. good. They'll come up, won't they? Yeah. And 
um, when you want them, they'll be there. And uh, again, like the chard that I've sown and put in after my Oregon sugar pods, the succession sowings, they're only, you know, what, four, four inches up? Yeah. But by March, I'll be so glad I did them, yeah, you yeah. know? And you don't need much oh, chard. Some seed off you, not Did you give me seed or I? I gave you plants. Of course you did. But I've got seed in the car. If you've got a few, I would very gratefully take a few. I'll take them today. I'll pack it. Because, yeah, I need to do some. Because, like you say, having that in, so important. Yeah, it's so easy to just sort of not bother at this time of the year because it feels like you're on the downward slope. But if you can just do a few things, I also think it gives you a bit of interest to still go out and look at your allotment or garden over the winter. Even if it's... You know, if you've got a bit of a nice day, you get out and have a look and see something, can't yeah, you? Yeah, well, I've got loads of overwintering brassicas in my Yeah, room. and I haven't got any brassicas because of the whole um, netting and yeah. bird issue. I've, that's not that's a lie, actually. I've got two rows at the allotment mm. um, of cabbages, but they have been hit by the slugs really hard. Um, but the but the idea certainly would be that um, you could you could put things in which, when you really want them in March, there'll be just something there to go and get. Well, if you add... I mean, I, I really successfully overwintered some... Um, Lettuce, yeah, a couple of years ago in just, in just a little like hoop cloche, yeah, in the garden, and and in April when they were ready to eat, I was so glad of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With a bit of you know, spinach or a little baby spinach leaves or whatever. Some bit, I had some beetroot tops that year as well. You can make a fresh salad from the garden. And I grow in mushroom trays. You know those blue ones that you got me. Yeah. They're, you can pick them up for free everywhere. Yeah. And I'll just put some cardboard in the bottom. Mm. And, and and it's a bit early for that yet. I won't do it yet. But I will probably start sewing for it now. Mm. But I won't make them up. Mm. <clears throat> and I'll put six plants in each thing. Maybe yeah. some French... Not French. Um, maybe some mustard greens. Yeah. Um, and some even beetroot. Because then just eat the leaves. Yeah. Some some um, kale where you're just going to eat the leaves. You know, yeah. like small baby kale. Yeah. And then cut and come again lettuce, oak leaf, whatever. Yeah. And a few trays of that, and they will sit in an unheated plastic greenhouse yeah. over winter. You can do your Claytonia as well in the Yeah, Claytonia, so. you can still be doing Mizuno, those Japanese greens, as they call them. Yep. Um, and you can also still be doing like moody type radish, the long white radishes. Yeah, I like those, because they don't yeah. taste like radish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but you can still be sowing all that stuff right through yeah. to pretty much the end of September. Yeah. So, so yeah, there are things to do, aren't there? Thinking of things to do, definitely get on those things, yeah. Absolutely. Talking of the allotment, mate, I have the I've completed the allotment. Yeah, is it all done? It is. That's a massive achievement. All by one small bed and a few little bits of other bits I wanted to do. And do you think you've lost a lot of growing space? I think I've probably lost. I reckon maybe two raised bed, large raised beds. Yeah, so that's not too case. bad, is it? Yeah, and, and I'm actually looking at my strawberry patch and my black currant bushes. bushes and the return I've got foes this year, and I'm thinking. Maybe I'll just get rid of them as well as we yeah. go through. Only because I've got 25 raised beds. Five of them are slightly smaller than the mm. others. Mm. Um, but I'd like to maximise the space and get more, get more, as much more fresh fruit produce yeah. as I can. And, you know, and those black currants, they fruit once a year. Strawberries fruit once a year. Whereas I could be getting two or three crops off that you space. Could. Potentially. You um, could. It's about prioritising what yeah. you want to eat and what you can get. And, and what you like, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. That's the other thing, isn't it? Is that... The Oregon sugar pod, which gives such a great return. I was when when, I, when we'd had them for about a month, six weeks. Mm. I was ready to stop eating them, yeah. you know, and move on to the next thing, yeah. you know. And so, so that's worked out quite well. So, mm. even though you know that you're going to get certain crops in certain spaces, you have to be honest with what you you and your family want to have and eat yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, 
certainly for me, if I can crack the whole brassica thing by covering or whatever it is going to mm. be, I'll be there then because that's the that's the bit where I always fall down is that I sew them and they come and they mm. but then I never get them through looking good. Yeah. You know, they always get hammered by pests, which they're well known for. Let's yeah. be honest, but you know whether it's going down the route like you have of really building some quite proper structures which are you know netted yeah. and then and then having a real tight control on the, anything without a backbone that likes to eat them. Yeah. But, it's, but it, to be honest now they're up I mean they're, they're probably like two foot yep. tall two or three foot tall all of them and now they're up I ain't got to worry about no, that because they'll take a bit again. yeah they'll take a bit of you know a few, a few leaves will get damaged yeah. but the bits that I want to eat yeah, will come through yeah, yeah, so you know my, my pest control in those areas now is very limited mm. That's really no, good. And my, I mean, once they are strong, they can really take it, can't yeah, they? Yeah. Some of the best cabbages we ever had were just under a, uh, a plastic uh, hoop tunnel. Mm. We grew them here once. Yeah. But we didn't do anything to no, them, did we? And then we like literally <laughs> peeled back this thing and underneath there was a jungle of weeds, but interspersed with these massive... But you left them eight months. I think they were oh, Wheelie's Imperial or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Good-hearted cabbage. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, go on, get it. We did, we did some Chinese salad, uh, lettuce that year as yeah. well. Chinese yeah, that was great. No, I forget what it's called now. Um, but yeah, we did that. And that was really good yeah. that year as well. We didn't do nothing. No, no. Just under those, we didn't weed it, nothing. We didn't weed it, water it, and it was under something where no water could get through it. So God knows. Mm. It just shows, doesn't it? It's us who muck it up, mate. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just just leave, leave it. <laughs> Stand, step away. <laughs> But it'll be interesting yeah. to go over after this and have a look in the allotment and see what is oh, there. Oh, mate, we'll have to string around all the beds first. You want to get in there? Yeah, <laughs> is that bad, is it? Yeah, it really so, is. Um, so the potatoes did well. Um, my leeks have done well. Yeah. And they're in now, mm. but I, won't, I don't need them for a long time, mm. you know. I'm still eating overwintered onions. Oh, wow, okay. I didn't do main crop in the end. Yeah. Well, we did, but we never, we yeah. never looked after them. They'll, they'll, make, they'll make good onion sets for next year. I had a look at those the other day. What, the ones across here? Yeah, the ones we tried to grow in here. Yeah. Have, have grown up, and then they'll make their like, little... They'll all bulk like, next year. Yeah. Probably, yeah. So I'd get them out, and I'd make the mother of all pickled onions if I was <laughs> They'll all bulk. But a lot of my leeks have put up scapes. Have they? Which I don't know why, so I'm mm. going to check that out. And I would imagine it might be to do with the heat mm. and the kind of moisture mm. so I I don't I didn't really know what to do about scapes on leeks so mm. I've cut them all off yeah. like you would do with a garlic anyway yeah. um, I've got a feeling that that will mean that they won't store yeah. but I don't ever dig my leeks up till I want them anyway no, no. so we'll see but they are I mean they're it's still really early in the season for leeks yeah I think. my leeks have been rubbish they're like no bigger than this pen no, so, mine are bigger than that, yeah. so, you know. Some of the lot are like big old fat old things you need now. Yeah, and mine, are, mine went in quite was, early, yeah. but I don't want my leeks until January, so yes. they've still got another three yeah. months of yeah. stuff to put on, so yeah. I reckon that they'll be fine. And um, there's plenty there, I've done about, God knows how many, 100, which is enough for us, that's, that's yeah. enough, you know. So that's fine. Um, I'm still eating the carrots out of the bed yeah. at my home, and do you know what, they've been great. I shall, lovely carrots out of buckets. I shall grow a whole bed of carrots next year. Yeah. I did it as an experiment to see whether um, that the bed that was made entirely out of muck yeah. last year would be still too rich. Yeah. But they've been straight, beautiful, yeah. perfect. Yeah. So next year, that whole bed yeah. will be carrots because I love them. And why would you not do them? Yeah. And, and just to go out and pick them fresh is magnificent. Absolutely. Yeah. So that would be definitely... But funnily, one of the things that I, the thing that I've struggled with the most has been my salad bed. Yeah. And I seem to have been sowing in that bed every bloody week, mm. but battered by slugs. 
But this weather, it's just it's cool. It's damn. Absolutely. Yeah, like, thank you very much. But the only thing I can report is that Lola Rosso is by far the best one to grow if uh, you have got perhaps uh, not great sun mm. or you know you've got some pests. Yeah. That are, it seems to be able to withstand the attacks of those things okay. much stronger, much more strongly. But Lollarossa is not a true lettuce, is it? Is it uh, an endive? Is that what it I is? It probably is, yeah. Or bordering on that yeah. family. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it has certainly been my best performer this year, yeah. side by side to Tom Thumbs and all this. Mm. I, I had some early success with um, Cut and Come Again, mm. but all of my hearting lettuces never really came to much okay. that, that I grew from seed. Yeah. Um, I got one pack from a garden centre where you get a few and I planted them out and they came up really well so it might be that my soil is a bit exhausted but lettuces are such light feeders but I think that what actually happened is that when I was putting these rows down you know they were getting absolutely fucked Mm. by slugs because I would come out the next day and they'd be gone be gone in a day you've got if you're going to be growing anything like that I, you know, and I wouldn't advocate using chemicals at all, but definitely looking at those organic slug yeah, yeah. the ones that, that eat and basically bung them up so they can't eat anymore. Yeah. Um, so then, if the birds come along and yeah. doesn't do any harm to the birds, yeah. doesn't do any harm to yeah, the hedgehogs, yeah. absolutely, you've got to be using yeah, those. Yeah. You know, well, you can, you can use the other methods as well, of course, but if you're not well, if you're not putting those down, you're, no. You're just but for but for me, the problem. big difference was that. It, you know, I've relied solely on lettuces in the ground this year, whereas yeah. normally I have some of these trays of lettuces as well. Yeah. In growing in total shade, but just yeah. off the ground. Yeah. And they've always produced really well. Mm. You know, just picking leaves, not whole lettuces. Yeah. yeah. But they've really they they had struggled so much. But what's nice is that it's not too late to sow lettuce now. You know, yeah. I'm still going to get a good return. Yeah. And so I've done some more of those. My spring onions have grown really well. Yeah, good. Really well. My early beetroot was a disaster, but my second sowings have done very well. Mm. And so they're all right. And I've done a couple of rows of turnips and they're up and looking okay. I've been thinning them out. So they're all the things that have done really well. You know, the sweet corn, particularly the leeks, the potatoes, despite getting blight, um, and the overwintering onions did okay. So most things have been okay. Mm. But I know that I've been between, you know, getting, get, I was late getting started at my allotment, mm-hmm. so I've never quite really, you know, I was juggling that and the woods and all of that. The home beds have been really productive, um, and I've been trying to think about maybe giving half of it a bit of a rest because it's had two years of growth now yeah. with no break. Mm. And we both and we chatted about top dressing and stuff like that. My only, my main source of um, compost is well rotted farmyard manure yeah. which I've redressed yeah. so one and a half of my beds I have not sown for winter yeah. but it's because they don't get any light yeah. now yeah. so those two beds I will clear and I will muck and then I will probably put the um, the black mypex over the top just to stop weed growth so that's my plan to, to put those to bed for for the, for the for the rest of the year because I can't really grow much in them anyway. If I were you, I'd definitely go. We've got some of that black plastic laying around. I've certainly got some you can have. I've um, got the stuff which is, lets the rain through. I wouldn't even use that. I'd use the straight plastic. Oh, okay. And the reason for that is that it will really warm the soil up. Yeah, quickly. proper. Go for but it. also what it does underneath is it, and I've done it several times over the years, 
it makes the soil, I don't know how or why it does it, but it makes the soil really friable. Yeah, it's like just really good encouraging the worm action, isn't it? Yeah, it's always. But what's lovely is that <laughs> that compost I'm getting, which is, it is well rotted, don't get me wrong, it's really good. But obviously when it's sat in a bag, it gets quite solid, doesn't yes, it? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But when I tip it out, it is full of brandlings. There are yeah. billions of worms yeah. there. Um, and, and I'm only putting it on the top. I'm not trying to... Because I mean I can't I've I've only got a fork full of fork lengths of soil anyway. Yeah. Because it's there's rubble underneath yeah, it. Yeah. But already, you know, it's starting to work through and become friable. But when it when it was dry, when it hadn't rained for a while, it was noticeable how it went so dusty that soil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for something that's made more or less entirely out of yeah. uh, you know, well rotted manure, yeah. it's almost like about trying to get some heart and body in it. I could yeah. I was looking at it and thinking that doesn't look like a very yeah. productive ground if you yeah. like so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if i can keep up the soil health yeah. you know itself almost i've been working on that as well funny enough because um one of the things about you know, saying glibly that the, the allotment's complete it's not i've got one more bed still to do but it's about then it's the ongoing process isn't it yeah and so i've been turning my attention so i managed to clear away all the rubbish that was there managed to get all by one bed sewn managed to get the shed tied up because that was yeah. starting to fall apart. Yeah, you said it was a bit rot. And then I've topped up my compost bins. I've done that in a few yeah. different ways. Yeah. I've done it just because I've just been like, I've turned Green one, waste, yeah. turned, turned the, what was there, I've turned it into the next one next to it. And then I've started filling it up. So I've had obviously all the stuff from home, yeah. you know, all the spoil from the from the guinea pigs and from the kitchen and everything yeah. else goes in there. Um, but I've also been cleaning out my chicken run recently. Yeah. yeah. And so what that, which is well, well rotted down, has gone straight on top of the best you know ready yeah. to use yeah and i do that every year and the reason i do that every year is because my chickens are on one spot yeah i don't move them yeah same as um, me and they tend to be stuck in that spot most of the time to yeah. be honest i don't know when i can but they're mostly in their their enclosure and so the outdoor part of that i tend to dig that down a few inches every year yeah redo it so and then so and then i get a bale of straw and i put that on top yeah, just to try and reduce the impact of kind of the foul sickness that you get in your yeah, soil. Yeah, absolutely. But also for the sake of an afternoon's work, I've, I've half filled one of those compost bins. With, with really, really stuff, good stuff. Really yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, and then I've got, that's, that's the one that's ready. One that's very nearly ready. That's sitting next to it. And some of that will get used as we go mm. through. And then I've got obviously the new one. And I've literally filled the new one up last week mm. because my father-in-law had a load of uh, hedge clippers and stuff he needed to get yeah, away. So I just banged that in it. And I just went down there with my shredder. Shredded up with the shredded. Yeah. And then put it all in bags. And so you've got down. green in there. Yeah, there's a whole mix of green and brown and yeah. whole bit. So that will hot compost like really fast. Yeah, of course it will. So that will, you know, even at this time of year, it will get really warm in there and it will compost down really quick. And then I've got stuff to start top dressing yeah. everything. It won't be enough for the whole. No, but, but it will do, mate. It's a good it? start. Yeah, really good start. Well, on goal. the chickens, I've um, <laughs> I've made the decision as much as I love having the actual birds that my bantams I'm gonna tip over again. Oh, okay. Because come back, come back here. I just don't lay enough eggs, mate. Come back to the dark side. No, I'm not actually. No? No. So I've kept laying hybrids, as you know, yeah. and then I've bred and raised my own, but they yeah. just don't lay enough eggs. You right. know, they, they're great. They're the friendliest animals and the friendliest birds and yeah. things like that. But, you know, I've got three light Sussex bantams, yeah. which when they lay, they're great, but they lay probably six eggs and then they go broody right. straight away. Yeah. And so then I lose, and, and they're all in sync. Yeah. So I'll get three eggs a day yeah. for a week, and then I'll get no eggs for a month. Oh, mate, that's no use. Right? No use of ornament then, are they? And they're quite young, but I think that that is what is going to happen. All right? So what I'm going to do is, um, I'm going to 
luckily we keep chickens at where we work and some of them died so I yeah. know they need a couple yeah so I'm gonna bring them here yeah right and they're gonna live here and then I saw through a local group that they are rehoming some batteries yeah and I'm just gonna get three of those okay and I've done batteries before they don't live very long. So these are ex-battery hens, yeah? Ex-bats, yeah. yeah. So that means that they'll probably be 18 months old. Yeah. But they lay like stink. Yeah. We get, we get a, there's a thing up on our... Um, there is. On our Facebook group, yeah. actually. If you're interested in doing that, one of our, our guys... I forget the gentleman's name, so apologies for that. Um, but he quite often puts up on there yeah. about advertising for homes for ex-battery hens. And our local one is actually in Hailsham, which yeah. is just down the road. Yeah. And so you just have to put your name down. And I think the next one's middle of October... Um, they'll have their next batch ready for you and you just say how many you want and yeah. go along and pick them up and they're free free wow yeah. they're free yeah Amazing. I mean you can make a donation to the yeah. to the to, to the charity it is. Yeah. and for me looking at what I wanted to do that might fit in so I will probably get five knowing that at least one of them will probably can't make it to Christmas no. because <laughs> unfortunately you know if you do pick up expats the mortality rate is quite high because mm. of the shock of the move and things. Yeah. But I can guarantee, having done it a few times, they are the friendliest birds you will ever own. They are unbelievably friendly yeah. and sociable. And when you when you tip them out for that first time, because mm. they you, they don't even know yeah. how to walk after yeah. them, do they? Yeah. And they're on the grass, and then they suddenly realise they can eat the grass, mm. and then they uh, it's just an amazing. And they're half bald when you get them anyway. Yeah. But I think that for us, that will actually just fill that gap. Um, and man, they lay like Billy out, don't they? Well, I'm gonna have to get a couple more, mate, because my yeah. oldest bird has finally stopped laying as much. Okay. Well, I will no. get, I will get maybe six then, and we'll just yeah. split them in half, and then if you no, you, no, you sort, sort, don't worry about it for now. I'm gonna wait till the spring probably. Well, I was gonna wait <laughs> for the spring and then buy laying hybrids like I've always done, but the price of laying hybrids is not what it probably was. Twenty quid are they each? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when I started, it was about thirteen. Yeah. And I think you can probably pick them up for about 15. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, there's a bit of me that just wants to almost go the other way now and see, you know, I, I know what I want out of my free birds yeah. is I want eggs. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so for me, if the, the Bantams worked great because they didn't create a lot of mess. Yeah. But the payoff was that they became just things that I feed in the morning yeah, and then there wasn't getting anything back whereas to be honest I'm not desperate in, desperate in need because I'm still getting just about enough for our family Yeah, but I haven't got any for my roadside stall anymore no and that helps pay for the feed so it's yeah. worth me investing in a couple because yeah. that will help pay for the feed and, and, and the space that I've got we've lost two over the holidays that have passed away right, see? Okay. Yeah. so I've got some capacity now you yeah. see and yeah. so um, getting three I'll probably get three but yeah. That's how many I want is three. Yeah. But if I buy three and then one dies, I can't go out and buy one. No. So I'll probably get four, yeah. maybe or five, like I say, yeah. and then see how we go. Because if I've got a laying hen, I've got no problem getting rid of a laying hen. No. But I do begrudge going out and paying 60 quid for three hens. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, we better take a quick break, mate, and we'll come back and talk a bit more, shall we? Okay, bud. All right. And we're back. So uh, just to continue, really, with our catching up, I've got a few things still on my little list. I had to make a list for myself this time, mate. Did it's you? Ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The amount of stuff I've been doing. Well, I, I wanted to just finish because we were just talking about chickens here. Yeah. One thing is, done, well, the quail are laying like stink, mate. I'll get in. Yeah, they're laying like every day. Yeah. And so um, not getting a lot of hen's eggs, no. but literally getting eight quail eggs okay. a day. At least there's that. 
Yeah, and they soon add up, mate. Yeah. They soon add up, yeah. and um, um, they're not mine. They're my daughter's quail, yeah. and she manages those. But I did go online and buy some nice boxes for her, nice paper mm. ones, you know, um, mm. press card boxes for mm. her to... And she's been selling them, you know, and doing a bit here and selling a few here and there. Yeah, good for her. That's been really nice, but I love quail eggs, man. They're mm. so nice. And once you've bought the little scissors so that they're not a fiddle to open, yeah. they're great. Have you seen them? They're like little... Like cigar cutters. Oh, okay, yeah. That's what it looks yeah, like. So yeah. it's like a pair of scissors with, you know, like yeah. one blade's got a hole in it where you put yeah. the top of the egg and the other one's got like a sharp V yeah. uh, triangle. So okay. you just chop the top off and then you can just pour them pour out, out. Yeah. and they're great. Yeah. And so it just takes all the fiddle out, yeah. you know. And, um, oh, mate, ten, a 10 quail egg sandwich is a thing of beauty, mate. <laughs> <laughs> 10 quail sandwich. 10 quail egg sandwich, mate. <laughs> Serious. Get them in there, lovely. And they, and they are, oh, I love the flavor. Beautiful flavour, and I love them hard boiled, absolutely love them hard boiled. Yeah. So they're doing really well. And you know, going back to when you were talking about your, your pressure canning and so on, yeah, I don't eat the quail, no. but to go from where I am now or where she is to, to raise quail to eat, yeah, is no big thing, no, you know. I'm talking one more pen, yeah, and then taking those eggs, incubating them, raising up. And then just eating those quail, yeah. and maybe every now and then putting um, a new female back in through and eating old stock because yeah. obviously the turnaround on quail was really it's about nine weeks, well, for, yeah. for eight nine weeks, yeah. and I could see how you could you couldn't you know be self sufficient in meat you know through quail unless you had a bigger operation, yeah. but you could certainly start turning over some yeah. not for a whole family, no. but you could make a bit of a dent. I have to say, well, I know I know people that have, that have done and do. In terms yeah. of you know putting quail on the table once a week or whatever it might be, yeah, it's not too it's not too tricky, yeah. I have to say. But um, my daughter, who has those quail, is a vegetarian, yeah. so there's absolutely no it's chance right, I'm going to do that. No. But um, but everyone she knows but, that, mate. But I, I'm not that worried about it at the moment. But no. you know, one of the things I spoke about, at, you know, when we were talking about things to do this year was the protein question, mm. and certainly for me, getting have other sources so yeah the chickens haven't worked out that well mm. but I've still got some form of protein coming through and I've got capacity to move into another yeah. form of protein if I wanted yeah. um, albeit um, it would take a tiny bit of infrastructure you know developing another run um, but you know it's not too bad it's not yeah. undoable is it so um, they have been another success I have to say the quail yeah. and they're in a they're, 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 they're in a little run that we yeah. that we put up and stuff like that but they're really happy and I think we've got nine, so we've got eight hens and one one male, yeah. and uh, they don't make any noise. They don't make any mess. They're on they're on bark chip on slabs, so they're doing really well. Yeah. They've got a good area as well, which yeah. has made a big big difference. And it's walking, so you can get in it. So, um, but they were the other thing that certainly for me has been over the last few months quite a success story. So I've been really pleased with those. That's really good. It's nice to know that it can be done at home. Obviously, not for me at this point, but maybe if in the future, who knows? It wouldn't take very long, mate. It wouldn't take very long to upscale. And of course, the eggs that I could sell are, could be hatching eggs. Yeah. You know, it's not all just about the eggs for eating. You know, you could get into a position where you were selling quail even. You know, a trio of quail, I don't know how much, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, the, the capacity for other income streams there is quite good, I think. Yeah. You could have the eggs or the meat or, yeah. or the potential of mm. selling hatching eggs or raising quail and selling quail, you know, mm. um, to your local community. Because they're not that easy to come by, I have to say, anymore. No, I don't. I, I, know, I know that there were places where I grew up. Yeah. Why people sold eggs, quail eggs. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know if they're doing anymore. Honestly, it's been a long time since I've seen quail eggs on gate. Yeah. You can buy them in like Waitrose and mm. places like that. But they, they, I think there's only one or two uh, large quail um, breeders and rearers yeah. in the country, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all outsourced. For, and I mean, there must be huge operations. But, mm. um, but I remember being able to... You know, if I wanted to buy some quail for at home, that they were quite easy to come by the actual birds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But going through omelettes, you know, like poultry mm. supply, very hard seemingly now to come yeah. through. There's a there's there's one down the road which does them, but mm. um, you know, it wouldn't be beyond the realms to to get a little income stream going there. Mm. You know, thinking about raising forty or fifty quail and yeah. putting them out and seeing if people wanted to buy them because what's what if you don't sell them? Pressure can. You just eat them, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you get a few quail in a can, mate. You stuff them in there. You could quail them, pressure can them whole, potentially. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And they're ready to go, mate. You've just got to get them out of the jar. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> Good old shape. shape to come out. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, that, that's, been, that's been the other area, really. And kind of just waiting for the fruit now to turn to do the next bit for me, which yeah. is about the foraging fruit, you know? Well, I've been doing a bit of preserving. Um, I obviously as well as the green beans I've frozen some I've diced and frozen some courgettes yeah uh, I tried dehydrating them dehydrating some but I didn't dehydrate them enough and so some of those have gone a bit funky already so I've chucked those out again but I might try again with that yeah just, so would you, is that for soups really though yeah you're really for just chucking into soups and things but I think probably frozen is the way to go with that Absolutely, but yeah. obviously they just turn to mush when you dehydrate they will, them, uh, they, defrost them. They will, but I'm not worried about that. It's going to the soup. soup. That's what it's right. for. It's just to give a bit of body to the yeah. soup, a bit of extra nutrition. There's a lot of nutrition. That. Love a good cause, yeah. Um, so I've done that. I've been preserving elderberries. Uh, as you know, I like a bit of elderberry mm. cordial or syrup, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So I've made about five litres of that. Oh, that's good. Uh, and I just drink that as a warm drink over, over the winter for its antiviral properties, which... You know, can't go wrong with Take that. Take that, mate. And I haven't actually bothered making any wine this year because I've made so much the last few years. Yeah, you, you run out of space. Well, I reckon I'm, out of balls. I reckon I'm sitting on about nine gallons of very yeah, wine. Yeah, so I'm good they'll be lash. here down the line. They'll be lash up somewhere, won't they? I'll be missing one out, but that's all right. Um, Alan's, got, Alan's gone missing for three days <laughs> on an elderberry bender. I'm having fun with it. Um, <laughs> And, yeah. and the other thing really that we are we could be doing now is we could be gathering in some honey couldn't we that'd be the yeah, next we'll thing we'll be doing that I'll be doing that this week probably if the weather's reasonable Friday I shall get in the, the harvest of the honey and we'll get it in the warm room and see if we can get it processed in the next couple of weeks and we know that we've concentrated on raising bees rather than honey a bit this year haven't we we've taken a few swarms here and there I think frankly it's probably just as well because the state of the weather I can't see there being a huge harvest can I'd, you I'd be surprised I mean I'd like to think we might have Another two or three supers worth. Right, I mean, that'd be good. I'll take 20, 30 jars. Yeah, yeah, if we did that, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Probably wouldn't have any spare to sell, but I've got loads in store, so you know, we'll figure it out. But miraculously, we've got the same amount of colonies nearly, haven't we? We've got more. Yeah. We're going to finish the year with more than we started. That, from the start Um, we had, we would have taken We were were 12 down to nine. I think we're now up to 15. Mm -hmm. So that's not a bad return on what's been not a great year. No, not at all. So we would take that and... uh, Certainly, going forward, hopefully it'll be something that we can expand out on. Yeah, yeah. You know, without shadow of a doubt. Um, and I've been, I've been preserving courgettes. I've been making chutney. Lovely. And I've been thinking. I think I might use some of my garlic because I'm going to plant some of my garlic. I grew. Obviously, for next year. But I might make some honey garlic as well. Mm, that'd be nice. Make some garlic and honey, and so I could do that. That'd really be really good. good. Um, so I've been doing a bit of that. And the other thing I've got, you know, I'm finally going to get around to doing now is my cheese. Yeah. Been saying it since the new year. It's yeah. Yeah. 
and that is going to be the, the project going forward. I think goat's milk, goat, it has to be goat's milk for, for me because yeah. of my lactose intolerance. Um, but I'm definitely going to be getting on that and, and trying to get on top of sort of just, just how to make some cheese. I want to make some for Christmas. Yeah, that'd be really I want nice. to put a little cheese board out and I want some of the cheese on my cheese board. Oh, mate, that's very much. It'll be mine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the old Rod Rick Ricotta. A little bit of honey on the side, homemade sourdough. You know, bitch bash bosh. Job done. Yeah, that's so I fancy a bit of that. Um, I, don't, I don't know what I'm gonna, uh, you know, because it's nice to have a little focus going into this next bit, isn't it? Just this well, last little bit. Mate, I've got you sorted out already, mate. You, oh, you really? haven't got, we haven't got to think about it. I've oh, already okay. sorted you out, alright? I've already sorted you out. I dread to think what's coming. Well, I've been, I've been well on my fishing since we went at the end oh, of July. It's good, isn't it? I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't caught anything, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Actually, that's not true, that's not true. The day after we recorded the. Yeah, you went out, didn't you? I went back out. And I and I literally second cast three fish on. Thank you very much. That's tea for tonight. I was out there for half an hour. I caught tomorrow's dinner. Um, so that's the only thing I've caught. But, but where I went on holiday, yeah, um, down on the Atlantic coast, yeah. And I was like, I'll take my, I, I bought a little telescope in Rothford down there. I was yeah. like, I'll go a bit of mackerel fishing off the beach down there. And I get down there and, and you start looking into it, don't you? And you realise that actually mackerel fishing off that particular beach is not a great idea. No. Um, and actually, it's about five miles up the road to go back for fishing. Yeah, I'm, like, yeah. I'm not going to get in my car from the caravan park, just no, right on the cliff no. to drive five miles. Um, so I went into the local town and went in the angling shop, and I said, Look, you know, this is where I'm staying. Oh, oh mate, that is like, the most amazing bass beach. Yeah. This is what you need. So they gave me a load of stuff anyway. It, it turns out that the rod that I've got is too lightweight. Yeah, not a bass rod. For anything like that at all. Um, Telly rods are not really designed for that, are they? I don't think it's really designed for anything very much other than yeah. just looking like you know, looking like you're casting something out. Cheap Telly rods can be very hit and miss as well. It's it's very very lightweight, and really? the line's very lightweight. And although I did a few times cast it out just to see, there was no. If I'd have caught anything, I'd have yeah. would have yeah, snapped, snapped it. Snapped the rod. Um, so we are going to get on that this autumn. Well, All I'll right. tell you what. You where you live. For, for, for fishing is a great winter beach it's a good shingle bank beach yeah. so for your white fish yeah. it's not bad now I, it's been a long time since I did it with any kind of seriousness but certainly you, you should be picking I mean I have fished that beach and caught yeah. a lot of different varieties yeah. um, even coddling you yeah. know like yeah. baby, you know, small cod coming yeah. in off there but you're you know if you can hit the right time there should be no reason why you couldn't get quite a lot of Mixed bag of props, mm. power and whiting mm. coming off of there, yeah. of a good size. Yeah. And, you know, it will take a bit of processing. Yeah. Um, you might have to look up some recipes for more small fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. grilled small fish are just amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they are amazing. Mate, I'd be happy to go and catch dabs off a beach. Yeah. Well, I'd you get flounders where you are. Yeah. And dabs are all right, but you might have to go along to Pevensey because they need a bit yeah. of sand. But there's so many off. things. They do get them out there because yeah. I've seen them in the... Um, in the fishmongers down the road, yeah, locally, and locally, cool, locally yeah. Cool. I don't know how far out they go yeah. from, but well, they, they certainly are there, so. they, they certainly are flatties down there, and um, you know, there's also there's lots of different things there. I've caught rays off your beach and things like that, which um, I think you'll be surprised what we can pull in there. Yeah. But you just have to have that. It becomes more about for me when I, when I was doing the winter fishing, getting the conditions right for yeah. your beach, yeah. which as always I felt fish better on the flood. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking for white, white fish, you have to be prepared to sit out there after a good blow because they yeah. like it really dirty water, yeah. you know, where it's churned up the bottom and then yeah. it obviously releases a lot more of, the, of their, their, their food, which is worm. Yeah. Um, so they come in grazing off of that. So yeah. getting some good bait yeah. is where you're going to either make your money or not. Yeah, and so you have to pay for good bait. Yeah, but if you can dig your own or have caught your own, yeah, you know if you can use 
fish that you've caught already. So yeah. if you can use fish strip like your um, yeah. mackerel strips, yeah. that, you, you can get it for yeah. nothing. So yeah. um, squid's cheap, but it's the worm, which is a lot of money yeah. unless you're prepared to go and dig it. Yeah, which isn't that. I'm paying for that, but I think I think it's worth it. Well, I, I, worth it. Yeah, I think so, and it'd be interesting to fish in different some different marks but along that side where you are I know that I've had nights where I've caught 40 or 50 whiting yeah. and and of a good size good yeah. enough to take good enough yeah. to bring home yeah. um, and, good, and good eating yeah you know yeah well we, we'd certainly eat that in our house no problem with that at all and I think it's, it's something I've never I've always underused the beach and yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking it's not not yeah, you know, it's not a beautiful sandy beach but if I can catch fish off it then it's worth it's it it's a really good beach and you've got opportunities there with the arm Yep. So what, what you've got at Seaford is you've got a, you've got a rock end, yep. which, you, you know, for Pollock and Bass, it's yep. all right, you know, really good. Yep. And then you've got more of that shingle bank. Yeah. But when the tide's coming in and out, you're going to get those predatory fish moving in and out. Yep. And then up the other end where you have got a bit of flat, yep. there's sand, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So yeah. you get more yep. flounders and place yep. that end. Yeah. And then you've got the arm, yep. which you can go out on as well. So yep. you've got all these different varieties of yep. uh, fish that you could hit because there's so yep. many different kinds of habitat there. I need to learn a bit about that and give me, give me a well, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything no. and, and I still don't know anything. I'm not no great angler, but it's just getting out and doing it and, mm. you know, saying what, once a month we're going fishing and we see I, what happens. I think definitely that's, that's one of the things I'd like to try and do if we can. Like buy a jumper bait, I'll tell you, because then I'll blow in up there. You're going to have to sat Western and everything, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. you're standing there with them yellow things. I'll, I'll, I'll get, the old, get the old windbreak out. I'll tell you what, we won't be recording on the beach that night. <laughs> we won't be you get your phone out, it's blown away, mate. It's gone, eh? But, no, I love it. I love it when the white horses go, when it's rough as hell as well. As long as you can keep your bait on the bottom, you'll always yeah. pick something up there. Well, I mean, they do. They do get some big fish down there. Yeah. Even dogs are great for eating, yeah. mate. You know, yeah. they're really good rock salmon, isn't it? You yeah, know? yeah. No, There's I, a lot of lot of things out there. Definitely up for doing a bit of that, and I, and I would like to try and get. You know, I'm not not going to be growing loads of meat at home, no. and in any case, my family wouldn't eat it. But if I could bring some fish in, that'd be great. That will, that's the, the next best thing, I think. And if I could do that from home, you know. Literally, it's not even five minutes to the beach. Yeah, it's not too bad, know. is it? Yeah, it's a so resource it's, you've got to use. If someone said to me there was a field I could go to and get meat, yeah, I'd definitely do it. Well, and this is it. And oh, I'll funny go, enough, I do do it, don't I? Yeah, <laughs> and I think you know, the bottom line for me was the night we went out, I had such a nice time. I mean, yeah, we caught one mackerel each, and it was like, yeah, we could do better than that. Mm. But I was like, well, I left the rod set up in the car as I said I would, yeah, and the next night I went down there, just did it, and mm. literally, it was like it was about half past nine, nine o'clock, something like that, when I went down there. And it was getting, you know, it was still just about light. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else has gone to bed anyway. Yeah, so so what was I going to do? Sit and watch a telly or go yeah. to bed myself? So I go down there and I was literally there for half an hour. Yeah. And second cast, three mackerel come. If I'd have been a bit quicker at getting them off the hooks and getting it back out again, right. I might have some, some more. And it's not, I mean, it's mackerel now. It's mackerel yeah. right up till November. So, yeah. you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was probably a bit better for mackerel now, actually, down your way. Well, I've, I've heard it's not been a very good year for mackerel. Um, but I'm definitely going to go and try again and I will keep trying every time I can find a suitable evening when the tide's high yeah. I don't know about the legality of it right okay but, um, or, but I wonder whether that night we went yeah if we'd have had a small enough hand net yeah you could have got white bait couldn't you yeah. I mean they were there weren't they we were looking yeah, at yeah, them yeah you can see you know, from the shore one yeah. of these hand nets yeah. Yeah, I reckon because your wife eats white bait wouldn't she yeah You'd eat white bait, would you? No, I'm not so keen, but I, I, I wouldn't eat them. But my, my wife would eat them, and my, my dad would be like, get in there. So, I want, you know, yeah. one of these hand nets that you just fling in. Yeah. I wonder how many you'd get. Because, I mean, I'm not being funny. There yeah. was millions, weren't there? Yeah. You see them everywhere. 
it'd be interesting to, to check on that, whether that's legal or not, whether we can, if we can find a setup that works. I think, I think static netting's illegal. Right. It's where you lay it out and wait. Uh, but I don't think hand netting is illegal. I don't know. You put it straight in and see what you got, and if there's anything in there that you didn't want, you put it straight back, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know is the yeah. answer. Yeah. No. But there are, there are lots of different ways to, to try yeah. and utilise that. I would like to, because I can eat it, I'd love to find a good, safe source of shellfish where we live. Yeah. You know, because I know where there are shellfish, yeah. but not knowing the, the content of the waters where yeah. we live well enough to think, you know, I'll collect those mussels and eat them or dig for, dig for clams and eat them. Well, we can start eating them again now, can't we? We're back into a month of an hour in it. Is that yeah. how it works in it? So, yeah, but I also want to know locally. Yeah. You know, where's the water clean enough? Yeah. Part of the problem with being on the Channel Coast is that actually it's not that clean. I know, but just on the other side of the coast is where they grow all of the mussels for France, mate. So it's not that bad, <laughs> is it? Let's be honest. Literally, if you go to Dunkirk, where yeah. they just farm yeah. mussels. But um, for I'm me, sure. it'll be more about, you know, there, there must be somewhere to find that information out about yeah. on our stretch of coastline, where is it safe to go and pick yeah. winkles. And well, well, we'll find that out. And, yeah. and the other thing we need to do, and perhaps not for this time of year, but we need to think about, my brother-in-law's just got a boat back on the water yeah, for the first time in a while. And I said to him, we could put a lobster pot down, couldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe so I think we should maybe... I can eat lobster, so well, that's, right. that's what I made me think of it. So maybe that's a job for next summer. Anyway, your second job for the autumn, we are going to go foraging. Okay, okay. that's all right. I would yeah. really like it if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Coming up to the forest up and in mind. Yeah. And pointing out to me some, some likely habitats and ideally some edible mushrooms. Yeah. So I can get on that a little bit because... I feel like that's an area that I'm missing out on, and I love mushrooms. Yeah, and it's a, and oh. it's easy. It's not hard. There's a massive forest about yeah. three miles from my house. Yeah, you'd it's be ridiculous. Right. Absolutely brilliant. And I have eaten this year some chicken in the woods already. Yeah, I know where there is some of that growing as well. So yeah. it's just about finding those spots locally and finding the ones which other people don't go to. Yeah. Um, but also where you are, it wouldn't only be your forest; it'd be with your with your new dog, which is yeah. sitting down here and just chilling, being yeah. very good. Finding those dog walks where you go through those old pastures and you'll be able to pick up the other kind of mushrooms that, that you want as well. And that's what I want to do, because I'm out walking loads now. Yeah, you're there anyway. I'm you? out walking every day, at least once a day, yeah. often twice a day, yeah. uh, and in different locations. And it's about, if I knew that if I went in that walk, in that field for that walk at that time yeah. of year, I might should, find, should be looking and I would definitely go out of my way to walk there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Else. Marking so, it down so you know where they are. So certainly. Definitely something I need to be looking at. Oh what a shame. Fishing and foraging. Yeah, oh sorry, dear. mate. And obviously we've got the bee, the honey harvest coming. I don't think we'll be making any cider this year, though, mate. I've got to be honest. Um, I'm not sure. I've got, I've got, I've, ca- I've cast the net, mate. Oh yeah. I've got the word out. We're looking for apples. Right. Because some, there must be some somewhere. Well, I'll ask my brother-in-law because he never, he, he always talks about doing it, and I know he's bought the gear now as well. Well, but if, he, if he didn't want to do it, perhaps if we traded him some apples for some cider, he'd be happy. Yeah, I'm sure that there is somewhere out there somewhere, mate. So. Always somewhere out somewhere. So, yeah, so it's been such a busy summer, and I, I can't, I don't know if you've got much more to talk about. No, I'm good. But I've, I've got, I can't, finish, can't finish this today without just mentioning that on the way back from my holiday, um, Carl from Self Sufficient Hub, becoming a really good friend of ours these days, and um, he very kindly offered to prepare a meal for my family on our wow. journey home. Um, so we stopped by his place um, on the way back from the West Country uh, and he very kindly fed us all and, and showed us around his oh, yeah. and he meets goats and his family and I mean mate they're just, just lovely lovely people fantastic hosts I just feel really welcome 
Uh, didn't know some Adam really before. That's the beauty, and mate. To, to be able to just turn beauty up sharing, there, beauty yeah, of sharing, and, and to have this beautiful home cooked meal <laughs> with all these amazing homegrown ingredients. I mean, it was just a treat. So, I must say a big thank you to Carl on the record here uh, to everybody and, and just say what a, a lovely time he had and, and just you know, how well our family's got on and we had a nice chat about you know various homesteady kind of stuff as well. Oh, it was just really inspiring to go and see it. And, and obviously, he's talking about losing that space. Um, and you know, just sort of talking about his, his opportunities going forward, and, and I really hope that they find somewhere that's going to allow them those opportunities that they've got. I'm sure they it's, will, it's mate. A fantastic place, and uh, I'm you know, really very grateful to them for their hospitality, but also wishing them well for, for the next step in their adventure as it comes along. Who knows where paths lead, mate? Well, paths always have an end somewhere, you just don't know where it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Wishing them luck on that and a big thank you. Um, and talking of thank yous, we should thank everyone for listening. Yeah, um, I mean, you were saying, because I mean, you're, you, you're privy to the numbers more than I am, but yeah. you said it's been quite quite nice to see the people listening. It, it's been like interesting. We, we've had a little bit of a dip in listenership um, over the spring, and I think potentially that's because people are doing other things. Um, but yeah, all that growing, mate. Well, we've inspired a nation. Perhaps, perhaps they already know what to do now. We've told them all, and they're like, oh, I don't need those boys no more. <laughs> inspired a nation, mate. But, but I also, we've also had a big number of new listeners and new people coming to the Facebook group. And what's really interesting is, uh, uh, you know, if, if you're one of those people that's listened from the beginning, yeah. uh, binge listened from, from episode two, as it would be on your thing. Episode two, mate. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> Uh, but if you've been listening from, from the beginning, it would be interesting to get your perspective on the Facebook group in particular uh, and your feedback. But, but also from everyone that's been listening for a long time, you know, feedback on the show, anything you think that we can do a bit better, any ideas you've got for things we can talk about. I've got a few for things I'd like to try and do through winter. Yeah. I'd like to try and get back on a regular schedule if we can. Um, and also to, to try and keep it going. I know we sort of slowed down a bit through the winter last year, but I'd like to try if we can, try and keep in a reasonably regular schedule yeah, through the winter. Um, and by picking up some, perhaps some topics um, and, and asking people for their thoughts on what topics they'd like to hear us talk about um, you know if, if, it's, if it's something we don't know we'll find out perhaps, try our best mate we'll perhaps we? we can see if we can get people on who do know but we'll certainly share our thoughts on what we do know about we will try um, our best and that will be as always yes so thank you very much for listening uh, if you enjoy what you've been listening to please do tell somebody about it uh, try and help us build this this channel um Obviously, check out our friend Carl at Self Sufficient Hub. He's got an amazing uh, YouTube channel and uh, podcast going on, and he's just starting his September challenge today, Ooh. where he's only allowed to eat things that have been produced by his own fair hand. Wow. So, good luck to him for that as well, because I know that's going to be a, an interesting one. He's got some quite strict rules about how that, what that counts as, and what you can do a bit of bartering and trading, but it's mostly stuff he's procured or produced Brilliant. himself. So good luck to him with that. It's uh, the Holy Grail, well. mate. It's the Holy Grail. Well, it is the Holy Grail, isn't it? Do it for a month as well. That's, it's got to be a start going. for one, isn't it? So good luck with that. Um, well, grass, mate. I'll be eating grass right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can find edible grass, mate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what you're looking for. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so thank you very much for listening. We will speak to you again uh, in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.